0: Your attention, please. Paul and Alex are required to proceed to the gate immediately. What? No way. What is happening here? This is the last call for the layovers podcast. Really? Come on, man. This is our thing. We got this. Oh, yeah. No, no, wait, wait, Alex. Alex, Alex! (laughs) Damn. Flight 103 to Denver, to Denver, and Alex missed this plane. Alex missed this plane. The boarding was just completed, as you've heard, guys. Alex is not in the plane. I don't know what to do. I'm completely at loss here. Ah, So, you know what? Since we're going to Denver, and I wanted to find someone who can help me actually understand Denver, because I've actually never been. I hired and brought the best expert in conspiracy theories ever he's also a food expert by (laughs) by night and he also has a very similar voice in Alex. That's uh, Will, Will Hunter. Hello, Will. How are you?
1: Hey, Paul. How are you doing? I like the intro. I'm, I'm glad I can ride standby on this flight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you've been to Denver. Yes, I right? go
1: four or five times a year.
0: There you go. And the reason for those who don't have context, the reason I mention conspiracy is that because there's a lot of stories about... Denver Airport.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. It's... it's <laughs> I, I don't know where these came from originally, but uh, we'll get into them. And Denver Airport has quite the colorful past, and I don't think it has anything to do with what was legalized
0: there about five years ago. <laughs> oh, I never... Didn't think about that one. Obviously, it's Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so why is Will on the show and Alex misses planes? It's not a big change of format. Don't worry, guys. Alex is still on. Lots of timing screw ups, etc. So we decided with Alex that I'm going to record a few episodes without him. So we're trying this thing this year. Where the few times when Alex is not available, I'm going to record with guest hosts. So this is what I'm trying. Of course, I had to bring Will because Will is not only a podcaster extraordinaire but was with us. I- Actually, on episode sixty-five, Boston. That was exactly two years ago, wow. almost to the day. It was January twenty eighteen? Because, and by the way, happy New Year, uh, Will. I forgot to say that. <laughs> and you know what? It's not conspiracy here, but two years ago, when you were on the show, you came to replace Alex because Alex just had his daughter. Mm-hmm. And I believe you have similar news to share.
1: Yes, yes. I have a four-week-old daughter, uh, and I'm on paternity leave right now. So it's why I'm able to make this work a little bit more than Alex. But yeah, it's kind of strange that exactly two years later, it's, it's funny, like his daughter's due date was one day removed from my daughter's due date. They weren't born very close to each other due to things. But yeah, it's kind of funny that it's all come full circle.
0: If I remember correctly, his daughter was the first... Female birth in the Hunter family for like five centuries or something. 100, so
1: 180 years. <laughs> One hundred and eighty years.
0: Yes. Oh, so now you guys are just overcompensating. You'll have daughters for the next twenty years, right? Exactly.
1: It's like it's like <laughs> British buses. None of them for two hours, and then they all come along.
0: <laughs> well, well, you know British buses quite well because for those who don't know you, for those shame on you, who haven't been listening to sixty-five or to Mastication Nation, the show that you're hosting mm-hmm. with Alex, you are not living in the UK. You you live in California. Are you still there, by the way? You're still in California. I'm not making a mistake, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm in San Francisco. I've been here for, for about 10 years,
1: but obviously make it back to the motherland periodically, back to London, you know, and do a bit more traveling than the average person, but not as much as you guys, not even close.
0: Talking about that, I'm taking a self-imposed travel ban in January. I usually do that every year. I wasn't able last year for a very good reason for those who remember, but this year I'm not traveling. It's also to wait for Alex to actually, uh, because as you might, no well we have a <laughs> we have a huge backlog of flights that we still haven't covered. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that with you because it's a bit. The, the, that's the only issue with this format of trying with guest hosts is that I don't want to bore them with my stories about traveling. The format will slightly be different. And obviously, because Will knows very well the food, we're going to talk a little bit more about food. There's a lot of news about food in this episode. But before, before I get that, a, a few shout outs and reviews, as we always do. I know that Will will be sitting in front of me looking at this is not my show. Why are you doing <laughs> shout outs? But, Okay. Uh, first, I told you Happy New Year because we're recording today, the 13th of January twenty. 20- 20, I was about to say 2019, so I'm still not the right (laughs) thing. Happy New Year to all of you guys, and a special mention to Alexandra, Avi Alex, I think that's her Instagram handle, for two things. First, because that's the randomest thing ever. I was in Tokyo in December. I'm with Chris, Chris Collins, a good friend of mine at Collins. I think, on, I'm not sure, Chris, I'm so sorry if I mistook your uh, Twitter handle. I'm saying it by memory. I was in a craft beer bar in Tokyo, and suddenly, this girl enters with a group, and I'm like, I'm sure I know her. Yeah, of course, I recognized her from her Instagram picture, and I was Alexandra, who was one of her biggest fans. So, Happy New Year to Alexandra, because she did something... That she needs to tell us about one day. She went to spend New Year's Eve at the TWA Hotel. They oh, had a party cool. for New Year's Eve. <laughs> that so was awesome. really cool, actually. I
1: hope it was yeah. all themed like I've 1960s, 1970s. Been, I, have you been to the hotel, actually? Even No, I've driven past it, but I've not been, unfortunately. Oh, my.
0: Yeah, same. I saw it when I was last in New York. It was uh, two months ago. I saw it exiting Terminal 4. I was like, it's just right there, it's just right there, but I didn't go. Uh, also, that's the second uh, US airport in a row. We usually try to rotate airports, but that's going to make one of our listener, Donny 4126 on Instagram, very happy because he had mentioned that his only critique about the show is that he would wish that we do a few more American airports. So there you go, we have two in a row and probably you'll have actually three in a row. I'm not going to spoil it for the next episode, but it's probably going to be an episode that's going to make uh, some people happy. You'll understand why when you listen to it in a few weeks. And to this point, I've checked, actually, uh, because it's a new year, I've checked, we've done... That's our 26th US airport, so it's not that we don't do any US airport, right? We did four last year, so that was not a lot. We did eight in 2018, only one in 2017, three in 2016, and nine in 2015. But you know what? I know that we have a big listenership in the US, so they must be complaining. I totally get it. At the same time, imagine the poor guys in Australia. They only ever had only one Melbourne, and they also are very big listeners. So uh, we try to make everybody happy. We can't let's not even mention latin america or even worse africa so yeah donnie i promise you we'll have a little bit more but look there's two in a row probably three as well have you ever flown will to uh Dallas Fort Worth DFW because that was our last uh, episode. Have you ever flown there?
1: Yeah, I was coming back on the way back from my honeymoon several years ago. We were in Cabo and we lived in California, and for some reason the cheapest flight was. Oh, I know why. Was we were coming back from Boston. Regardless, we 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 (laughs) went via we went via Dallas and uh, had a layover there. That makes way more sense than going you know Cabo and then yeah that makes no sense. But yeah, no, I've been there. and I was listening to the episode last week and or last time, and I and I, I agree with what Alex was saying. It's like this, you know, megalith of a giant of an airport. And while it's okay, it's got some nice amenities. It's not one I would love to spend... Too much time in,
0: and it's also not great for getting into the city if you so choose. Also, because we have some feedback, so some people tend to agree with you, and some people don't. But I'm, <laughs> I'm going to quote just a few. First is Andrew Young on Twitter, if I remember correctly, A J C G Young, who says that yeah, he actually quotes Alex it says gargantuan, functional, and boring. Yeah, <laughs> Alex was right, uh, according to Andrew. He would recommend, however, to trying to connect through Love Field at D A L. Uh, whenever possible. I'm guessing that's the other airport of the city, because I've never been to that one. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's, you know,
1: Chicago has the two, one massive, one oh, small, one It's identical. Midfield and uh, already... Okay. Exactly the
0: same. Uh, I see. And he says it's the antidote to the warehouse, non-identity airport, like DFW. <laughs> <laughs> and it also has, apparently, a display commemorating the unique on-craft presidential swearing-in after the JFK shooting. And apparently that's worth seeing, so there's a reason for me. Have you ever been to Love Field, DL? No, no, but it's, that's really interesting, because obviously, JFK was
1: assassinated in Texas, and that's where they had to do all that swearing in on the plane. And I'd never really thought about that. But yeah, obviously, they would have to have left from, from Love Field. Wow, I should really try and get out there. That's really interesting from an American history
0: point of view. Exactly. That's what I, I thought, too. Brian Potratz, and I'm sure, Brian, if I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, P-O-T-R-A-T-Z-B on uh, Twitter. Caught the TFW episodes of my flight back there after the holiday. The genius of Dallas-Worthworth is layout if you start or end there. So, apparently, he thinks that if you start or end there, if it's an origin or destination airport, it's a great layout because super short walk to bags or transport, little vehicle traffic compared to other hubs like ORD, Atlanta, LAX, etc., and short TSA lines, but he admits that transfers are tough. So, I've never actually used it as a landing. But you just said, Will, that you don't really like it either. Yeah, that's an interesting
1: one. I'm I, I trying to think
0: about airports
1: that suck for transfers but are great for destinations or vice versa. And, and, and not to spoil it too much. But Denver, I, I've always had great ins and outs of, but I've never transferred there. So next time I need to go somewhere, I'll give that some thought. But you know, I know like like Heathrow is a nightmare to transfer at. Charles de Gaulle is a nightmare to transfer at. Frankfurt's a nightmare to transfer
0: at. <laughs> And they but also <laughs> su- also getting in and out of it as well. <laughs> you know your stuff see this is why i got him he (laughs) he knows which airports maybe he's just pandering to me because he's using the examples of airports i don't like (laughs) uh, charles and and frankfurt and i'll come to frankfurt a little bit later guys two reviews very quickly one from richard laycock on twitter it was about episode 101 where we were talking about hanoi and he said i have to say this is my favorite episode of them all Paul's Halong Bay trip was incredible. Thank you so much, Richard. Also, because I almost tend not to listen to the episodes. I mean, of course, I have to because I'm editing them. But I wasn't super happy of how I described my Halong Bay trip. So thank you, Richard, for these words of encouragement. And I encourage all of our listeners to go to Halong. It's absolutely fantastic. And another review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts nowadays, five stars from... Far West Lee SNA from the US, that was in December. Glad to have found this podcast. It's a great companion when I'm on the road or have downtime at home. The topics covered are interesting and entertaining. We have, I'm going to say that even for Will and myself, we have great chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) And he says something, and it's true, and uh, I need to address that. He says that he's starting to pronounce the word episode the same way Paul does. Yeah, because I have a very, uh, very peculiar way of saying a few words, like podcast as well, because of my... Probably the fact that French is my first language, and I mix it with a bit of all the language I speak. So yeah, sometimes the words, the way I pronounce them is a bit uh, weird. So I'm going to launch a trend of saying episode. <laughs> uh, uh, and if you guys want to review, you can obviously do that. There's a new link up, by the way. It's uh, ratethispodcast.com forward slash layovers. If you click that, you can there submit a review on your favorite platform, ratethispodcast.com forward slash layovers. One thing, of course, I said earlier that Alex is not here and that the format is slightly different, so I will not, because I need to also mention this, I will not do the reviews that I hinted at at the end of episode 102, which are the first class in Singapore Airlines, say Cafe Pacific, and and I know that a lot of people will not be happy, but again, I don't want to bore Will with stuff like that, which means that you guys will have to wait for them, (laughs) which is why I'm not traveling again, so I don't put too much backlog. We'll talk a little bit about the Food, however, because this is why I have Will here today. Another thing I need to apologize. I'm sorry, Will, because I'm going to some uh, house cleaning. We had feed issues during the holidays. I don't know if, Will, you had any. I hope not. It's my fault, guys. I screwed up by switching layovers to a new website. Now the website is up, still layovers.to. You can directly listen to all the episodes there and obviously subscribe on your favorite platform. But when I did the switch over, I did something completely messed up in the DNS. I mean, it's a long story, but basically it meant that the major podcasting app, which are Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, got it. And then all the others, and there's like a billion of them, Some of them never got episode 102. And then this just appeared when I fixed it about two weeks ago, I can see it on the stats not everybody has listened to that episode so please after listening to will and me please go back and listen to episode 102 please because it's a cool episode it was a lot of fun and i want to give a shout out to maxime at feedpress feedpress is a tool that allows me to get some stats would help me actually putting the feed back up feedpress is a great tool if you ever host a podcast if you want to have stats and uh, I had a question from a listener, but I forgot who it was. I'm so sorry because, of course, it was the holidays and I didn't really keep up with the notes. How do I listen to layovers or any podcasts actually, on Alexa, Amazon, Amazon Echo, etc.? TuneIn, which is one of the platforms that allows to listen to podcasts, has an app there. And if you say, Alexa, I want to listen to layovers, so I'm going to say it to you super loud. So for those who have a speaker, it will trigger the Alexa. Alexa, listen to layovers. Alexa, <laughs> give if you do that, layovers five stars. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you can do that. And shout out to Bertrand, a friend of mine who was here over the holidays. He has, I don't have Alexa at home. But he has the new Amazon Echo with a screen, you know, the mm-hmm. thing that that looks like science fiction. And he sent me a pic of 102 being displayed, so he was listening to it on his new toy. So thank you. Uh, if you want to as well share pictures of you listening to the show, you can always do that. Two more shout-outs. I'm so sorry, Will. No, it's shout good. Out. Uh, First... Ben is the host of Travel Man podcast. Actually, Alex was uh, interviewed by him early October. I don't think I've mentioned it on this show, which is bad. I should have. I don't think he numbers the episodes. So just look for the episode that says Alex Hunter the Sherpa. I think that's the name of the episode, and he just released yesterday, so Monday the twelfth of January, twenty twenty. The first part, because I babble way too long, and Will is currently experiencing that, uh, (laughs) the first part of my interaction with Ben, it was fun. We talked about uh, stuff like the 747, obviously aviation, travel in general, what it means to travel. And if you want to know what's my earliest memory of flying, well, you have to tune in. So Travelman Podcast, travelmanpodcast.com is where you find all the information. And shout out to Ben, because he lives in Melbourne, and I'm really hoping that the fire is... And everything are getting much better because this is no fun at all. And another podcast that you guys, especially in the UK, probably know about, Plain Talking UK. Carlos, Matt, Nev and Armando, they host this show. They have tons of episodes and I was featured for the second year in a row in their Christmas episode that was out just before Christmas, I think December 22 or something. <laughs> In the first episode, so a year ago, I made them having an explicit rating because I swore on the podcast. This time, they bleeped me out, so they don't have the explicit. So I'm I'm really bad at this. Uh, So I'm so sorry, guys, but it was really a lot of fun. And two days ago, so on the 11th of January, it was their 300th episode. And we all went. It was a live recording. I was recording with them. So they invited me again, which is super cool. And we were at the Renaissance. Renaissance Hotel at ETHRO. Have you ever been to the Renaissance Hotel at Ethereum? Do you know where that is? No, I know
1: where it is. I I
0: think I know exactly where it is, but I never really had a reason to stay at the airport. (laughs) Yeah, It's exactly what I was about to say. I never had a reason to stay at an airport at ETHRO because I live here, and now I've actually stayed there, and I had a view with the runway, which is the northern runway, and it was amazing. And we did the recording there live with a lot of their community. That was fantastic. We had a lot of people, actually, that also listened to layovers, which came to me, hey, hi, Listening to you, I'm like, oh wow, I, no idea. Like, so it was really, really fun and fascinatingly. And it's sadly not on the show for you guys. The show will be released by the time probably this gets released. You'll have it on your podcast apps, Playing Talking UK. We had um, an ATC, I think, I think the head of ATC, I don't know what the title is, of Heathrow Tower, who came to tell us how they did react and how they experienced the crash of BA38. Remember the 777 of BA that... You know, had a flame out just as it was uh, landing at Heathrow and crashed just before the runway. That was about twelve years ago now. Right. I mean, if you don't know about it, guys, just um, Google BA38 Heathrow and you'll see. It was quite a story. But getting the actual inside story from a guy that was in tower trying to make all that—it's just insane, <laughs> insane. But again, just shout out to Carlos, Matt, Nev, Armando, but also Pip, Captain Nick, Steph, Captain Jeff. Captain Jeff is actually the host of Airline Pilot Guy. I'm sure you know him. Micah, Myla, et cetera, all these guys were there. Some of them were recording, some of them were just in the audience. We had a super fun, they had a cake, which was, (laughs) which was the Tower of Ether. So the cake was, you know, like a great British bake-off mm-hmm. type of cake. It was like super big with like the actual tower. It was fantastic. It was very tasty as well. Slight slight so, tangent thank you.
1: on the on the censorship, sorry. Uh, I know that you're a big Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan. Uh, you know me well. Yeah, they just jumped from, they were on distributed by Fox for the first like eight years of their run and now they're on NBC. And there's a really interesting thing within the US TV market. So would you rather swear as much as you want in the recording and then be bleeped Or infer the swear. So rather than saying F you, you say fudge you. And that's what's actually said yeah. in, in the thing. And so what happened was with um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they weren't swearing. They were using fake swear words when they are on Fox. And when they moved to NBC, now they can say whatever they want, and they just bleep the swear words. And so it's interesting. So I didn't know that. Well, it, here's the oh, thing. Wow. is the, On international broadcasts, it might be different. But in the U.S., Fox has different rules to NBC. And they all have to stay below whatever the, the FCC says. But, you know, they have their own rules. Fox doesn't allow you to swear and bleep it, or you just say, you know, rather than hell, you say H-E double hockey sticks. You know, something along those lines. Sorry, complete <laughs> tangent, I know.
0: Were you watching uh, Battlestar Galactica, the newest mm-hmm. one, not the one back from the 70s? They use used uh, frack yes. instead of the F-word. Yeah. It was, a, you know, frack you, right? And yeah. it was very interesting to see a way around, which... Almost became a word, by the way, a lot of people, less now probably, but a lot of people were using I was using it for a while. But it's very interesting to me what you're saying, because I'm always kind of unsure about that explicit. When does it actually become explicit? The word that got bleeped out from the show I mentioned over Christmas was not a curse word, but because kids listening, they removed it. So it's really hard to define what is... I mean, some words are clear, but some others, for me, I'm... Maybe I just don't have kids, so I'm not as sensitive, I guess. <laughs> well, th- I this is <laughs> kind of nicely...
1: i sorry to take it off topic a little bit further, but our last episode of Mastication Nation, which we do with Alex, uh, one of the things we talked about was the fake food revolution, so beyond meat and impossible burgers. Impossible burgers. And yeah, there's yeah. been ads here for how Burger King has impossible meat in their burgers now, in, in their Whoppers, and they did an where they were like surprising people by like having them have a burger and they didn't realize it was impossible. And one of the guys goes, wow, damn, that's really good. And there's been a petition with a million signatures about the fact that they use a swear word and the swear word was damn. And so that shows how, wow, how careful they have to be here.
0: The here that you said at the end is also very cultural. I've seen that some of the words that are being used in the US will totally be acceptable here. Yeah. And some words in the British slang i completely off limits. Oh God, you should yeah. never use them and people get completely offended if you even jokingly use them, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a learning curve for me, <laughs> learning curve. So, but we know we have kids listening to this show, so we've been trying with Alex to avoid uh, <laughs> using some of these words. I will say "effin." now. I don't know if that's really... Still acceptable or not, but I will. I will say that Uh, to finish on the 300, because I need to to say that I want to make a special mention to Steve. He's British, English, maybe, probably English. He lives in Stavanger, and I suspect he moved there because you have great deals on flights from Stavanger. And he said that We Were, Layovers, was the first show that he ever listened to. So thank you so much, Steve. It was really cool to meet you. Great to have a chat, which I know a lot of our listeners actually are saying we should do meetups mentioned in the last episode that we might. And I think I will. Uh, I'm making a, maybe even a test soon to see how the, the dynamics would work, because I really want to do um, fan shows. And I'll come to do one in San Francisco, so to have, again, Will with me, but live this time. Yeah. Uh, so what's up with you, Will? Are you still the one putting ads on my videos?
1: <laughs> uh, sorry
0: about that. Yeah, and as 2020 <laughs> rolls around,
1: and everybody and their mother has a smart TV, you're going to see more and more ads. <laughs> That's my uh, uh, Paul's referring to my day job, where I, I make people miserable by uh, monetizing, you know, them to get to their content. And with the fact that we're now so fractured, at least in the U.S., as far as Apple TV, Disney Plus, Hulu Plus, CBS All Access access, Hulu, Netflix, so on and so forth. We have a thousand different ways yeah. to access content. We got to make money on them somehow. And I apologize
0: for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, no, of course. Do not <laughs> apologize. We, we have a quite, maybe not as much, but quite a similar situation in the UK. The only one in your list we don't have, I think Hulu is now here, but I never even tried, but we don't have Disney Plus. And I promise everyone that's listening that I have not seen The Mandalorian. <coughs> no, of course I've not seen it, because Disney Plus is not here. Uh, so, but yeah, no, no, I totally understand, and I'm, uh, um, I'm not angry at you, Will. I, I forgive you. you. But here, we'll talk about food. But before we talk about food, one thing about San Francisco that I didn't know. Have you ever been to Treasure Island? Yeah, last time. I've actually never been to Treasure Island, so I just know that it's a man-made island that was made in the 30s, I think. Yeah. To, for some, yeah. Do you have any yeah, experience yeah, about yeah, yeah. this? so so
1: built? between Between the East Bay, where I live, which is where Berkeley, Oakland, and so on and so forth are, and the city itself of San Francisco, there's the famous Bay Bridge. Not the Golden Gate Bridge, the Bay Bridge, which if you follow American sports, the NBA team, Warriors, that's the bridge on their jersey. And there's a natural island right in the middle of it called – why am I drawing a blank on this? Buena. And uh, that has where the two bridges connect. And then slightly off to the right of that natural island is a man-made island called Treasure Island. And it was used by the military for barracks for station, and it was relinquished. I think the government still uses it a little bit, but now it's got a winery on it. You can go take hikes, it's got great views of the city. I mean, it's completely flat. There was a fantastic flea market that a friend of mine ran for the longest time, and then i just just moved it off Treasure Island called the Treasure Island Flea. And I was out there, you know, multiple times a year. And you can you ride your bike all the way there from the East Bay as well, which I used to do on my lunch break.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I've, I've never been there. Uh, it just got my attention for a totally unrelated reason. And I went on on Google Maps, you know, the satellite view to see what it was. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's man-made, et cetera. And what I learned is just before the U.S. Navy took over, that was just before the Second World War because it needed facilities, there were plans for it to become the airport. Yeah. So San Francisco would have had a man main island airport before everybody else because we know that uh, hong kong the new one or kansai osaka are man main islands but this is something quite recent and so for instance, it could have been the one i didn't know that did you know
1: I, I did know but in hindsight it would make no sense it's so close to the cities it's like kai, yeah, it's course, like kite tak close to things and it's also <laughs> massively radioactive like like the the ground un- what? yeah like the ground underneath it is not safe i mean they they've done some like some studies to try and fix it up because there's rumors that there's a giant Chinese consortium that wants to build like literally skyscrapers on it. Because housing, yes. Because and they are building, oh. they are building something on there. I think it's an assisted living home or an elderly home. Which you know, by the time that the radioactivity gets to you, you know, who knows. <laughs> but but in terms, unfortunately, in San Francisco, fortunately and unfortunately, they have very very strict building regulations about you know how high you can grow and that kind of stuff. And we have a really oh, tough okay. problem with that. But uh, Treasure Island's exempt from that. So it's like, can we just build like 40 skyscrapers on it and alleviate some of the housing problems? But yeah, I mean, that makes way more sense than an international airport right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, clearly. Oh, wow, I had no idea. Obviously, in context of the 30s, whenever that was built, 35 I think an airport, even though it was close to the city, had you know all the airports that were built in that back in the day were basically downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's now that we realize it's such a bad idea, which causes issues even for stuff like Heathrow, which was not downtown, but now is almost central London mm-hmm. by uh, by definition. <gasps> What time is it, by the way? 11.30 in the morning. Uh, still not beer time. I'm not going to do the, your usual stick that you do with uh, with Alex, which is why you're drinking. But I think you like your beer. Oh, I do. Very much right. so. Do you like BrewDog?
1: I do. I do. I, I've had a number of their beers when I was living in England. And then occasionally you
0: can find one out here from time to time. But it's rare. Because I found through Craig, Craig on Twitter... Mm-hmm. That the BA Lounge at GFK, I knew they had Brewdog, but what I didn't know, they have a self service Brewdog bar. And they have the Punk IPA, Lost Lager, Clockwork Tangerine, and Elvis Juice. They always come up with fantastic names. They're the ones, and probably our audience knows, but I will repeat it they're the ones who created the beer for BA, the Speedbird 100. Mm-hmm. Which was made on the Dreamliner with coffee grounds or something. I'm not a huge fan of the Speedbird 100. Have you have you tried it? Uh, no, I actually haven't tried it, but I think it's a little bit like Betsy, the the Cathay
1: Pacific beer, where it might be better in the air than it is down on the ground. But I do remember talking about the can design and thinking it looked like a really crappy American beer, like like a Bud Light looking can. So I, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't a massive fan. I know it was like BA colors. But, like, the silver on it and the color of blue, it looked like, you know, yeah. uh, for people that live in California, like Keystone Light, which is not a good beer. Uh, so I
0: kind of <laughs> thought it would look a bit like that. <laughs> well, I tried it in the air, and I didn't really enjoy it in the air either. Maybe just not a beer for me. I'm not going to bash BrewDog here. Betsy, I haven't tried a version 2.0, which is completely stupid for me because I was actually flying at the Pacific a month and a half ago, but I completely forgot about it, probably because I was flying first class and too busy to try to drink the champagne there had on offer, and then I, I, when I stepped out, I'm like, why did I not order a Betsy? This is a new one. Anyway... Uh- <laughs> So, Patrick at Tarvalon23 on Twitter tried the Speedboard 100 during a BA flight and he was quite impressed. So, again, do not trust my taste. I don't have great taste in food and beer. Beer and food is all Will and Alex. I'm a simpleton when it comes to that. I have very basic taste. <laughs> I like my basic taste, by the way. <laughs> you know, when I was recording that podcast with Ben, Travel Man Podcast, I think at the end, which is part two, so I'm giving a spoiler here, he's asking me, do you have a favorite food? And I I couldn't think of any. I think I said pizza. I'm a very simple guy. I just like simple food. And pizza was, I think it's a good choice. So do you fly Delta? I have.
1: They fly to LA a lot. And I fly them there. CrossCon, not so much. But yeah, I I do from time to time.
0: Because uh, Delta during uh, CES, the famous electronics show happens in Vegas, Mm -hmm. they announced quite a number of features. Some of them, they announced them just to recant afterwards. They they said that they will have Bluetooth on every seat and they said, well, no, we're just trialing. We're not sure we're going to actually make the rollout because that would be really cool to being able to show up with your wireless headphones and just connect to whatever seat you're on. But they have added a button apparently, or they will add a button on their IFE, Binge. So it's not binge drinking, it's binge watching Netflix-style shows. The one thing they say, which I don't have an idea how it works, they say, You can start watching Delta Source content from the moment you check into your flight. So, basically, I have access to the IFE at home. So if I check, like, three months before, can I watch everything?
1: <laughs> well, and then that kind of ruins the point of having all that, like, content when you're a captive audience. But I get it. I get it. Like, if you want to test things out, not waste your time on the plane, I guess
0: you have to download their specific app, kind of like how Southwest does that as well. Yeah, yeah. That's often the issue actually, especially when you don't know about it. By the time you're in the flight, they say, yeah, but you should have downloaded the app. I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, well, yeah. Happened to be with Lufthansa. So, um, we're gonna get to Food door. We're saying for drinks a little bit more because you're also the expert on your drinks um there's this company ERW based in Denmark who has launched a series of drinks that is called the flight pack and apparently it's designed as a tailored three-step hydration solution that will combat the effects of travel fatigue jet lag and dehydration Bear with me with all the marketing BS that I'm going through here. Uh, will, please. <laughs> so, apparently, it's three sachets, three powder sachets. The first is called prep. And you drink it before you board. The second one is called rest. And the last one is called wake. And of course, rest is during the flight. And wake is after landing. So apparently, prep, the first one is to make you prepare entering the dry and pressurized environment of a plane. Again, I'm just reading out what they're saying here. The rest drink is meant to help people adjust to flying. Here, I'm even quoting the founder. It calms your nervous system and helps you with... Natural melatonin content, apparently it helps you trigger your own melatonin production, so you fall asleep, so maybe. And the third one, so the one called Wake, I'm looking at Will's face, so he's not very convinced right now, is a protein-based drink that basically helps you recover, and of course it gives you a lot of protein. The same way you would have some protein after a workout, you know, or, or a okay. run, just kind of rebuild. Do you really believe any of that thing?
1: <laughs> I'm just waiting for the first person who does this to, you know, try and open the plane door at thirty thousand feet and blame it on that. Like, you know, do we are we gonna ha- are we gonna have an ambient situation where people just completely freak out? I mean, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's like based on some quasi nutritional science, but yeah. I mean, the the golden rule here is sleep, drink water, and don't drink too much alcohol and you'll be fine those are the three things that you need to do to not have a terrible travel experience but I get it like you know there, there are these these bars in Vegas where if you're the next day you and I think there's one on like on oh, yeah. wheels where they put you on an IV and basically help you just like flush out all the bad things you did the night before or you know I think that some some uh, athletes are doing the same thing as well to get rid of all the lactic acid in their body after after stuff like that and I think sir not so Sergio Aguero, one of the big guys who used to play for Man City, got busted on that and and uh got had server ban for doing exactly that for going to Vegas and and, oh, wow. and being on a, on, a, on an IV drip because it was
0: performance enhancing somehow. Oh, wow, well. Wow. I mean, if any of the listeners wants to try the flight pack by ERW with the prep rest and wake, please let us know. She says um, the founder says that <laughs> to your point actually uh will. If you're having one or two drinks, we will actually make you feel better because of our products. However, if you're getting, as you say in Britain or in the States, shit face, <laughs> we can't fix the problem. Yeah, there, <laughs> so there's... A, this is honest. There's a product being marketed on...
1: Pre-roll ads to me like crazy. This is probably telling me more about my browsing history than I should let you know. But uh, it's, it's 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 about you know it's a it's a pill or a drink for post drinking, and it boosts an enzyme in your stomach that helps metabolize the alcohol faster. And and that goes back to uh, there's a very famous beer company in this country called Sam Adams by Boston Beer Works, and the founder. And I think we talked about this in the in a mastication nation episode a while ago. The founder used to eat dry active yeast before having a, a heavy night because that would help metabolize the
0: the alcohol throughout the night. I never tried. I'm not sure that yeast actually tastes that good. Well, I prefer my yeast in the alcohol actually already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so.
1: Exactly.
0: I can sure that can cause some pressure issues. <laughs> so uh One more shout out to Daniel Rogers on Instagram from the UK. It says that uh, we should make a venerable mention for Brussels airport. And I really do not like Brussels airport, mainly for the layout when you are non-Schengen. He said that there is a Belgian bistro beer bar in uh, the airport and he sent us a peek of the beer. And yeah, I will admit Daniel, that if there is a Belgian bistro beer bar in the airport, plus 10 for the airport. So I might be going in 2020 just to try that one out. Let's go to food. There's some link to Denver. Bear with me. You'll understand why. Have you, I don't even know. Have you ever been to Japan, actually? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when I was much younger, and
1: then again, when I was a teenager, but I haven't been back as a, as a fully formed adult, which is kind of sad because flights are so cheap from the west coast but no i haven't been to japan in a very long time
0: and do you know yoshinoya
1: no what's that
0: so yoshinoya is the uh i think it's the second or or the first i can't remember largest beef ball fast food restaurant fast food is maybe a, a misnomer here but they do the beef ball you know mm-hmm. the the gudon they're a multinational but they're very of course famous in uh, japan i say fast food because it's quick it's low priced they're literally everywhere in japan and you'll understand the link with air travel for those who don't know in a minute but when they enter the U.S. they've entered I think when I was born in 75 and their first location was actually Denver I don't know if they're still open I know that if you want to try Will there's one in Cupertino that's the closest mm-hmm. of you of I don't think there's any in San Francisco there's a there's a handful in LA and maybe one in Seattle I think it's not been super successful in the U.S. whereas in, in Japan they're like literally the biggest chains are like everywhere it's like a Starbucks in London like <laughs> Like every two meters is, there's one, right? They're very successful in Hong Kong, however, as well. The point is that one of our listeners whom we mentioned quite often, Anita, Anita IP2 on Twitter, she flew GL66 from Narita to San Diego. I think that was two months ago and she was able to try air Yoshinoya. So Yoshinoya has a partnership with Chal, and they do the same kind of beef balls. Of course, they don't give you a ball. They give you like these kind of late-night Chinese takeaway boxes, I guess. Then she sent us the pictures of the instructions obviously like in every Japanese airline they give you instructions how you're supposed to merge all the little <laughs> bits of food together to actually create the plate it's really cool so guys if you've never flown JAL but if you have the chance to the Air Yoshinoya is something you should try Yoshinoya is pretty good it's available by the way in an economy I'm sure you can actually request that in business or first if you are lucky enough to fly in the front but it's it's cute we had mentioned her maybe you do remember that Well, we had mentioned her because she's also the one who had sent the similar set of instructions how to create a Moss burger in yeah. flight. Yeah,
1: she's a big Mastication uh, so.
0: Nation contributor as well. So there you go. So the similar thing that she had an entire instruction leaflet to how to create a Moss burger, the same applies to this. It's almost like overkill. You know, they, they explain you every single step. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have to put the stuff in the box at the beginning or something. But it's really nice. I've been lucky to
1: try it once. I'm just waiting for SAS to do the same model. Like a true IKEA piece of flat pack furniture, you're left with a bunch of leftover pieces, and you have to use an Allen key for some reason.
0: (laughs) But you know what? I will, however, say, I mean, I was really not being condescending when I said there's too many steps. Like, remove the tray from the box. You know, that's, that's literally a step. Because I've been to, I think it was what, Korean Air? Yeah, it must have been Korean Air. I was served the Korean option. I can't remember what it was because it's been a few years. And I literally didn't know what to do with all the ingredients in front of me. There are like so many little sachets. And I was like... How am I supposed to do this? At first, I was looking at the person next to me trying to gather what I should be. and then thank God the the flight attendant came and explained to me what to do. So it's actually nice to have the instructions. and it's really cute. was it all the, they really the, made the, in the a very bancha, cute way
1: the, all the things on the side Yeah, 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 Got it. yeah,
0: absolutely. But, you know, sometimes there's an order or stuff, what you're supposed to put on rice or not, etc. I know because I've been living in Japan, I have some knowledge about that. But from Korean food, I I absolutely don't. Since we're a Japanese food and then we'll go back to food in planes. I just want to make a shout out to friends of mine. They have a restaurant called Tama. It's in Shibuya in Tokyo. It's my hangout. If you want to find me when I am in Tokyo, I'm at Tama. It's... Uh, Okinawan food restaurant, Okinawa, would please Alex, that is in Shibuya. They just got their Michelin star, wow. which is completely insane because... For me, going there is going at midnight and having food at the bar until 4 a.m. because I'm jet-lagged and I never can associate the food, although it's amazing with the Michelin stars. I'm so happy for them. Uh, Shout-out to Tama, actually, the name of the guy who created East Tama. It's really cool. I highly recommend it. And you can meet stars now because a Michelin star. uh, uh, there was this guy next to me at the bar, taking pictures. And he had a, a small, not a disposable camera, but like a 35 millimeter camera, but not an expensive one, not an SLR, something back from the 90s or something. And I was curious. I said, what is it? And I chatted with him, super cool guy for like four minutes before like a, a bunch of guys started asking him for selfies. And I didn't r- realize who he was in a sealed re because I don't follow pop music or whatever a lot, but it was Mark Ronson, the DJ and <laughs> super cool guy. Yeah. So Not only for the food, but also for the stars. You could even meet me. I'm not a star, but why not? (laughs) So... Since we talk about food, I mean, we've done an episode already about food. Both, actually, the most important one is on Mastication Nation, the L episode, uh, because uh, for those who don't know, Mastication Nation is every letter of the alphabet as an episode, and L was for layovers. Thank you again, Will, for inviting us. I mean, inviting me, because your brother obviously was already there. <laughs> and uh, we also talked about food, obviously, on episode 65, where we, you were two years ago. But can you do us a little recap of... Why food is so different in planes or why does he taste like crap basically sometimes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was obviously it was great to have you get over in a great crossover episode to get some of the layovers listeners joining on the Mastication Nation bandwagon. And for those who do listen, you know, we are on hiatus because we've done the, the whole round of the of the alphabet and we will be coming back in 2020 with new episodes. Just give us time. But the layovers episode, Paul was very kind to join us. And what I did was give a, a fairly in-depth overview of, of why airplane food is such, you know, maligned crap most of the time. So to those who've already who've <laughs> already listened to it, let me just like recap a little bit of it. But basically, the, the upshot of the, the science is that due to the conditions of a plane, you know, the fact that it's dry air, low pressure, loud engine noises, and noise does make a massive factor. And, you know, the humidity is actually at, at 20 you're in a scenario where you're just not going to be able to allow your your body to react to food as it were on the ground. And- Really interesting is that, you know, the noise and the humidity are the ones that can make the biggest impact, as well as the pressure. But, like, you're pressurized at 6,000 feet, which is the same as, you know, Johannesburg, which is going to make a difference on how your brain works. But that's more on the alcohol side. But as far as the food's concerned, you're about 12 to 20% roughly going to affect your ability to pick up certain kinds of flavors. And so, one of the things that we talked about. In the last and in, in the layovers episode, was talking about what food does well versus what food doesn't do well. And Paul, you mentioned that you had, had recently at that time on Garuda one of your all-time favorite meals that you felt was just you know <laughs> top class. And if I remember correctly, it was a Nazi Goring, Gorin. yeah, yep. uh, well, uh, good memory, yeah, wow, yeah, uh, variation. <laughs> and basically spice does really, really well at elevation or at, you know, on, a, on a plane. While some savory stuff can get a little stodgy, sweet really takes the edge off. That's why ice cream doesn't taste so sweet when you're up there. And, you know, your your fruits and your pastas, they don't do very well. They're really easy to make in bulk. And that's one of the other major issues is that when you're on a plane, you know, obviously they're making hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of of meals that then are quick frozen and sent up onto the plane. And so there's a science behind it and there's an economics behind it. But there are are airlines out there that are really trying to combat this. And obviously, you have planes or airlines that have onboard chefs or planes that, uh, you know, the first class have a bit more wiggle room with what kind of equipment they can use. But for those all traveling in the back end of the plane,
0: it's a little bit more hit and miss. I'm still expecting one uh, aircraft manufacturer to allow open flames in their <laughs> in their kitchen because you were mentioning to us that the way they were reheating food because most of the food comes cold. Mm-hmm. There's some frozen as well becomes cold. They use conduction microwaves. If I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, that is glorified microwaves. And then there's anyone
1: who wasn't either stoned or drunk most things coming out of the microwave (laughs) do have a pretty crappy texture and flavors are not great and some things get hotter than the others and why is the container hotter than the food you know that kind of stuff can happen so yeah they're working with not the best environment as well
0: i really want to see open flame it will never happen guys obviously but that would be that would be so fun but if i remember correctly as well were you not telling me that you almost never actually eat plain food, not maybe for the reasons you just mentioned, but because you'd rather either eat in the airport before or maybe take on board some stinky chili with pineapple pizza or something, right? No. Yeah, no, I mean,
1: look, the people that take things on board flights, you know, you've got to play by the rules of common decency. Do not bring durian. Do not bring, you know, stilton. <laughs> if you are, you know, bringing on some fish, I'm not going to be happy either. But, you know, you can pretty much get, you know, on board as long as it, it travels pretty well. That's, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I don't generally, unless I'm like having a business class, Experience or or more. I generally don't eat on planes, I eat at the airport for a couple of reasons one all the aforementioned reasons i just mentioned two i don't want to be on a plane and you know a scenario happens where there's only three bathrooms for 200 people so i want to know what's going on before (laughs) i get on a plane uh if that's (laughs) too much information but no it's
0: absolutely right it's a good strategy yeah
1: unfortunately the, the 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 downside of this is that most american airports are just like the same you know yeah. Same. That's how it feels. Uh, restaurants over and over and over again. So that gets a little boring. But some of them do have some variations, and so I like to try and see what there is and what I can get. Yes, it's all going to be overpriced, but that's the price you pay for for being in an airport.
0: Yeah. But we so we we're preparing a bit the show with Will uh, before, of course, we recorded, and uh, we both, of course, found the same stories, which means great minds because it was. This alternative for those who actually don't fly or for those who actually adore plain food. Now, in Asia, there is a way to actually order plain food in a restaurant. So, first of all, are they insane? Second of all, do you think it's really the same? They say it's the same, but do you think they will actually apply the same recipe? And third of all, would you go? So yeah, this is in re- relation to
1: Air Asia, the low-cost carrier out of Malaysia, which, you know, I have no problem with. They're a decent airline that, you know, seems to do what they need to do. And I was reading this Washington Post article about how they have opened up a restaurant in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur, that is recreating, and I'm using this in air quotes, your favorite airline food. I mean, first of all, who has favorite airline <laughs> food? Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, i it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. Um, it's called Santan, which apparently is the same name as their in-flight food experience on the plane. But when I first yes. read it, I thought it said Satan, because only Satan would want to have, you <laughs> know, plane food when they didn't have to have it. Like, what kind of masochist argued that you have any choice, especially in Kuala Lumpur, where you can eat anything is like, nah, I want something that tastes like reheated barf. I'm like, let's see what... Yeah, so I was reading the article and they were saying that, you know, some of the classics are going to include Nasi Nasalamek, which is, you know, coconut rice with chili and chicken, and you know, it's fairly common. Uncle Chin's chicken rice with a roasted chicken, seasoned rice, and chili and ginger sauce, which I think we've all had a variation of. It's all stuff coming from their sphere of influence in the region. So, you know, you're talking yeah. about Cambodia, Indonesia, Vietnam, and the Philippines. And I was looking at the price yeah. and they were saying. Uh, The meals cost about 12 Malaysian ringgit or about $2.90, which sounds really cheap. But then I was reading further in the article saying that the average person can go elsewhere and it costs $2.50. So it's a bit of a premium. So I don't know, Paul, would you put yourself through that? (laughs) Well,
0: look, uh, first, probably yes, just because I wanted to try. I don't know if I'll be a kale. But that's the second part. Fernandez is the founder of the airline. Very successful airline. Yes. Very reliable, actually, as well. It's a low cost, but it's, it's a very good airline. And he's an innovator. He's always been pushing the limits. He wants to make this as a franchise. He wants to yeah. open, like, mobile, totally. more than 100. So at least in the region, there will be other opportunities. I go very often to Manila. Uh, probably is going to be open in Singapore. Probably the price would be, like, 10x in Singapore, because that's Singapore for you. But <laughs> will I try? Yeah, and there's one option that made me Really, kind of think about that. I want to see. He says you can pre order, like you would pre order an AR Asia meal, you can pre order a a meal in the restaurant as well. By the way, I think it's only part of the menu that will be airplane food, the rest will be kind of ordinary local food. So, but still, I think, uh, go ahead. So,
1: two things. One,
0: I think that this ties back to what we were talking about earlier about
1: what food is successful and not successful on planes. Without exception, Eastern or Southeast Asian food does exponentially better in Plains than Western food. So if you ever have a choice, always go with Eastern food just because the spices and the... Oh, my cat just jumped on the table. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) The the, the chili and everything holds up and the savoriness of it holds up compared to Western food. Second of all, I really hope they go full force with the idea of the um, Plain food. And then when you go to collect your food, they're like, "Mm, sorry, we're out of chicken. (laughs) It's like, can I give you the other options? Like, I ordered the chicken.
0: What the hell? Can I have the lasagna? Exactly. Exactly, It's always on the Lasagna menu. Lasagna is always on the on menu. The menu. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you agree with me that in any airline, I mean, of course, we know there's cultural differences. You just mentioned Asia, but it's, it's usually beef, fish, chicken, and pasta. I next mean, make four. Yeah. That's basically the, always what they, yeah, they rotate it's just, around. It's,
1: just, it's, it's easy. It's they know that the most people are going to want that. Like if you start putting like duck or veal on the menu, it's going to be a situation where no one's going to want it and you're going to have a bunch of waste. You know, and we know that the pilots have to have, they're not allowed to have the same meal just in case one of them gets food poisoned, and the other one needs to have the separate meal just to be safe. But yeah, it's always those few. I, I rarely see, I see pork less and that's just because with a global audience, yep. that one's going to be the most yep. difficult of the big four, shall we say, of like – Beef, fish, chicken, and pork. I know fish is a broad term, but like, yeah, I, I get that as well.
0: You just said broad term, and you probably heard it from the episode the 101, when I was describing my experience in Vietnam Airlines, and the menu just said meat. And I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna go along with that.
1: Well, now that we're in the world of now we're speak.
0: in the world of Impossible Burgers and, and Beyond Food, it's like meat and fake meat. <laughs> I think I just that impossible pork or something. I read something the other day that pork is coming online as well, which is the biggest consumed meat in the world. Obviously, even if you just said it is true, the Muslim world doesn't eat it, it's still by numbers, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's the largest uh, meat in the world. So if impossible, I don't know which of the two have done it, but if that comes out of the market, it could be something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they do. So one of them, Beyond Burger, Beyond already does sausages uh, that I think are meant to be fake pork. But yeah, to your point, cows are just so useful beyond their meat for, you know, milk and beasts of burden. Pork, generally not. Besides being garbage disposals, pigs are just kind of fattened up to be eaten. That's why I guess the consumption is so much higher on them in the region's not obviously Jewish or Muslim, but everywhere else in the world, it's it's eaten so much. I know that chicken, obviously in the U.S., is massive and elsewhere, and our beef consumption in this country is just out of control. But that's not the standard for the rest of the world. You know, not everyone is having a double quarter pounder, you know, with cheese every lunchtime. So you know, that's a rare occasion.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Tony Fernandez, the CEO of Air Asia and of that restaurant, has a dream of opening one of these new restaurants in Times Square. So probably at some point he will be in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And... To your point, no matter how we can mock a little bit these uh, airplane-inspired, because again, I'm not sure they will be exactly the same as per your explanation earlier to have taste on the ground, I'm pretty sure that they're still healthier than a triple whooper yeah, or something exactly. uh, that you find in a... So it's still, it's a good option. I, I will So to your question earlier, I will try it. You just mentioned food poisoning. You have the same knowledge as me. We learned in the movie Airplane that if you give two pilots something that is uh, mm-hmm. bad, there's no more pilots. Yes. So who's actually flying the plane? Right? Uh, Surely you can't be serious. Was, a bad... <laughs> I was waiting for yes. that. One. <laughs> so, have you ever been sick from airplane food yourself? Is that the origin of why you're not doing it as well, or not really?
1: Um, I think I have. When I was younger, I have also I have been sick on a plane for other reasons. That's not the greatest experience of all time. So, no, I don't think I've ever been food poisoned on a plane because then the entire plane would be going down and I've never seen like 30 people all rush to the bathroom at the same time.
0: (laughs) Because it was an NBC News investigation, an article that came out a few weeks ago, which uh, looked into the airline catering industry in the U.S., (laughs) And there's something that I didn't know. Under FDA rules, so FDA is the food and... Food and drug dro- Administration. Oh, yeah, because obviously these two go together. In Colorado, they do. Yes. Uh, the, the FDA rules are actually quite loose. The agency only has to inspect airline caterers every three to five years. Wow. And they can randomly go into plane when time... This is a quote, when time and opportunity allow. So it's not that much. Because I think the food code in the U.S., for restaurants, you surely know that better than me. Is much more stringent. They they go like at least every six months or something. At least they should go every well
1: because you uh, got to remember that those are 12. those are city and state officials that have to like have to do yeah. that. So when you go to a restaurant in San Francisco, there is a board of you know certification from San Francisco, which the airlines don't have to abide by because they're not you know they're being checked
0: federally, not at a state or a city level. Well, to your point, in the same article that I read, they say that LA County. Mm has 500 health inspectors, If the FDA for the entire airline world as basically 600. So they don't have a lot of hands to actually go and try to check. But it's still, because there were apparently uh, cases last year, 2019, of food poisoning. There's always never been like an outbreak of people dying. Let's not exaggerate. But I didn't realize that the rules were so loose. There were some interesting numbers. They say... The three biggest uh, caterers, airline caterers in the U.S. are LSG Sky Chefs, Mm -hmm. which is owned by Lufthansa. And it's larger than the two others that I will mention combined. Gate Gourmet, which used to be, I think, owned by the Swiss, uh, Swiss Air, but now is probably owned by also some kind of private equity. And the last one is Flying Food Group. And interestingly, so the first one, Sky Chefs, they produce in Chicago only produces twelve to 15,000 meals a day for only one location. The smallest one, Flying Food Group, produces US-wide 300,000 meals and snacks daily. So it's a lot of food being produced and not a lot of checks. And I'm not here finger-pointing, you know, that they are doing something bad. But it's true that I was staggered. Apparently, the EU is a little bit more stringent, but I don't know by how much. It's a $6 billion industry. We should go into (laughs) airline catering food, uh, Will. Yeah, and I know that that, I used to, in a previous
1: life, worked in ground transportation at Heathrow, and I would see the sort of the mass that was going through there specifically for BA and Virgin. The thing I find interesting is that with things like freedom routes and open skies where someone like Emirates who wants to centralize all their food out of the Middle East, if they have the ability to go Dubai, London, London, L.A., who are they relying on for their food? They're going to have to outsource it somewhere else and you're going to lose control. So it could be a massive concern for somebody who, like, we'll get onto it a little bit, but like some of the guys who pride themselves on extraordinarily good in-flight food and in-flight beverages to have to then relinquish some of the control unless they start you know outsourcing it because obviously Donata who I used to work for was owned by Emirates Group and therefore they had locations elsewhere but at a certain point
0: I don't know what the cost looks like for the food. Yeah I mean we all probably have had this type of feelings at least and the most recent for me was probably Cathay Pacific leaving uh San Francisco when I, I saw you mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Alex's birthday this past summer. No, no, that was not that, but that was American. So which one was it? No, it was January. So it was a year ago now. Wow, time flies. <laughs> when I flew Cathay Pacific away from uh, San Francisco and the food leaving from San Francisco compared to the one from Hong Kong, was staggeringly different. Mm-hmm. The quality was good. I'm not talking about the quality. There was no food poisoning or something. But you could feel that there was a, a degree of difference that was quite uh, massive. And that's probably to your point. They have to outsource in some location where it doesn't make sense for maybe like two flights a day. I don't know how many they have out of San Francisco to actually like create their own cuisine with a chef. They basically outsource to whoever is available and at uh, the good price. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, You're right. You make a lot of sense here. Since we're talking food poisoning, what do you think about that story that you've also read about these pigs in Bali?
1: Yeah, I saw this. It's <laughs> absolutely hilarious. So Bali, the airport authority in Bali, for some reason, struck up a relationship with local farmers. And you know we're all very conscious about food waste and not wanting to see meals that were not being eaten on the flight, go to waste, had been providing the leftovers, not to the locals, but to local pig farmers in in Bali so that they could eat it. And they had just been told by the local government to knock it off for a couple of different reasons uh, my favorite reason is that it's the it sounds like the beginning plot of the movie 12 monkeys like it's like uh, it's ridiculous so, so the, the, the basically the concern is that due to concerns about the rising cases of african swine fever the pigs are no longer going to get the food because obviously the food's coming from all over the world and as you've seen in all of these contagion movies and 12 monkey movies the fastest way for a plague to spread is through planes apparently so so pigs being banned from eating leftover airplane food does sound like, you know, the exposition at the beginning of one of those really big, bad plague
0: movies. <laughs> yeah. Now the question is, if they think that the food coming from... Now, of course, okay, the leftovers might have been touched by a human being because they are leftovers, yes. but... My first thought when I read the article is that the food that has not been used was given to pigs and pigs were in danger. So my first thought was like, so I'm in danger if I'm trying any of the food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because if the pigs cannot have it, I can't have it either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And
1: I uh, thought that the, the funny thing about that the the, the, the pigs and the, and the food was that, you know, they, they talk about like Iberico ham and how that tastes amazing because it's eating on the nuts and the acorns and the forests and, you know, it tastes... Is amazing because of that and like can you imagine them making a custom leg of uh, ham from these pigs and it's like flavors <laughs> of the airline and it's like your reheated chicken or your, your lasagna it's always there
0: <laughs> see there's a business ball right there for airline exactly. catering. We have it. We almost have it. We almost Mr. have Fernandez, it. Mr. Fernandez, we got we an, have an idea it. for you. You and me, because you're the food guy. <laughs> I'm, I can talk to the airlines, but I need the food guy to give me uh, credibility. Um, there's a ranking I've read, interesting ranking that I was not aware of, still talking about food. And this is a US ranking, so it's only for US airlines. Sorry, international friends like me, they give uh, stars according to the health score mm-hmm. of an airline. So what kind of food they provide. And I found it pretty interesting. They, they based that on multiple criteria you know, the calories being one. So it has to be like healthy. It has not to be like too calorif- caloric, calorific. caloric, caloric, caloric. Thank you. Uh, my, uh, I'm inventing words <laughs> as I go uh, clearly here on this podcast as well. Um, episode, remember, so calorific, <laughs> you can use that. Uh, so the The scores for 2019-2020, North America. First is Air Canada, four stars. They say your best bets. Eat the Liberté Greek yogurt, avocado smash box, and Pangoa ball and Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Number two, with the same number, equal number one, Alaska Airlines, Mm -hmm. four stars. Apparently, you should try the Mediterranean tapas. The reason Alaska is actually as high, and thank God Alex is not recording with us today, is because... Virgin America for six years in a row was the highest, and they kind of onboarded that culture of uh, healthy food on board. Then we have JetBlue. And they say the best bet is anything but the chocolate chip cookies. So don't have chocolate chip cookies on JetBlue. I'm sure they're actually very good. They're probably just very fat. Yeah, I and mean, if you're going like, to
1: inverse uh, they... it and say what, what domestic airline consistently has the best food, as far as like enjoyable, JetBlue is going to be up near the top because of their relationship with, and we've talked about this on, on Mastication Nation before, and I'm sure Alex is on here, about their relationships with some of the restaurants, and even Mamafuku and Milk yeah, Bar yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like yeah. that. Like Those relationships are, are pre-existing
0: and great. Delta comes next. Best bet is the protein box and the Greek mesa plate. United comes uh, afterwards. The best bet is the beef jerky and hummus. By the way, I didn't know that United, in economy in long haul to Honolulu, they don't serve a meal in economy, and they say that, yeah, it's not international, which sucks. But anyway, that's the reality of U.S. domestic fly, I guess. Uh, American Airlines next. The best bet is the Continental Breakfast Frontier with the Kind Bar Allegiant is only 1.9 star we are entering really bad territory here your best bet is the hummus here as well spirit the fly fit protein mix hawaiian hawaiian is really low it's the pre to last with uh, the best bet being the kitchen in love quinoa with artichoke and the last of all these airlines is southwest at 1.7 stars and your best bet is to simply take the pretzels yeah Yeah.
1: I mean, (laughs) Southwest is cheap for a reason, but I mean, some of those other airlines are terrible and cheap, like Elysian. It's an interesting one as far as what they're considering it's healthy. Almost all of those had a commonality of Mediterranean and Greek food. Like hummus or metsa yep. or, or tapa, right. you know, whatever else it might be, the artichokes as well. I mean, it's an interesting model. And I know that whenever I've got food, it's it's generally been like a, a protein pack and it's been your your olives, your your hummus, your carrot
0: sticks, whatever it might be. So there's something to that. You're right. Oh, see, this is why I need Will, because I didn't even see that trend in all that. And you I'm have it out because dare you? Of... <laughs> but it's true that I will actually circle around these type of foods when I see them in a, in a menu, because this is what I actually like also eating, simply because I find them good and usually healthy. We mentioned many times, you mentioned many times, Impossible Burgers and Beyond Meat. So have you actually eaten these yeah. things? Yeah, yeah, have you yeah, tried yeah. them? Yeah. What do you think? Are they, are they good? I prefer Impossible
1: over Beyond. Beyond is a lot more... Or supermarkets these days, but Impossible I think are a much better you know product for burgers. And we talked about this in the um, one of the last episodes of Mastication Nation. So Beyond uses pea protein, and Impossible uses soy protein, which allows it to look like it's bleeding, which is as much as uh, uh, you know helping you overcome the. The ness, the meatness of it all, but yeah, no, I was yeah. in, I was in Yosemite a few months ago, it's like November with a bunch of friends, and one of my friends is is a vegetarian, and when we stopped in the store, we, you know, in the middle of nowhere, California, sorry, Alex O'Shryker. I know Manteca is not in the middle of nowhere, but he, he, <laughs> he uh, oh, actually, I'll come back to that in a second, but. One of our friends was vegetarian, and so we were able to in Manteca buy a bunch of Beyond Burger stuff. So it's everywhere; you can find it in any supermarket, and it's you know it's decent. I I don't really care for it unless I have to, but it's fine. The reason I wanted to come back to that was that I was driving with a bunch of friends of mine from San Francisco to Yosemite, and we stopped in Manteca. What happened was our friend Alex Ostriker, who's contributed to you guys as well, lives up in Sacramento, and he flew. Down there, which is about forty-five minutes on a prop plane, and we picked them up at like literally the airport has like one building, and then you go from there. And it's a company, and why am I drawing a blank on their name? I've said it a million times. it come to me. It's called. it come to me. I will figure it out in a minute. But the flights from these really obscure places are super cheap because they're paid by the government to maintain strategically important routes, and so you I pay see. like. 50 bucks, and then the government gives them 500 bucks. And so you can go to places like, you know, fly from... LA to the middle of nowhere, Nevada, or from Spokane, Washington to Idaho for absolutely nothing. And you get to fly on a prop plane and there's like two people on board with you. And so everyone's <laughs> talking about their own private jets and paying thousands and thousands of dollars. Nah, you want to get your prop plane and go from middle of nowhere to middle of nowhere, but sorry, that was a little off tangent, but yeah, Beyond Burgers and Impossible Burgers. I'm waiting for the first airline to pick them up. I
0: don't know if they have yet. Air New Zealand has Impossible Burger. Oh, really? I haven't flown Air New Zealand, so I haven't tried it. But that was my my next question. What do you think about the products? Because I'm much in favor of going beyond meat, Haha. smart marketing right there, you know, for climate reasons, for environmental reasons, probably also for ethical reasons. So I understand all this. But what do you think about, is it really healthy? Both Beyond and Impossible
1: have come out, especially now that they've gone into the fast food markets, have come out and said... Because vegetarians and vegans were like, what are you doing putting this fake meat protein into a regular burger? Like, we still can't have that. And the marketing has been smart. It's like, this isn't for you guys. You guys are already making, quote-unquote, smart decisions with your lives. This is for mom and pop, middle-of-nowhere America – To get them to stop eating meat as much as they are to try, you know, have something that they're used to. Like everything else about the Whopper is normal. It's the normal bread, the normal lettuce, the normal sauce, the normal cheese, so on and so forth. But the meat's different. And that's going to be the easiest way to migrate people over to not eating as much meat. They're not going after the vegetarian and vegan market. That's just not the play here. It's not about whether it's healthy or not. And yes, I mean, Impossible and, and Beyond, they're caloric, intake and their nutritional values are no no real better than meat it's more to try and get people to eat less red meat and see what the environmental mm. impact might be also yep. you know let's stop cutting down the rainforest for cows to yeah. graze on and so let's stop. see how yeah. much we yeah. can impact by doing this
0: and do you think you've not flown either or new zealand do you think a possible burger or Beyond Meat would fly well the flavors that come out of it will actually f- work in a flight do you think? So I, I'm obviously without looking at the
1: information I wouldn't know I would say that the burger would not do well but the fact is that you, know, you can use Beyond Food and Impossible Food as a ground meat substitute and what are we you been joking about being the constant on our old airplanes is lasagna and so if you replace the ground beef there with yeah. Impossible that's a really good option because that's where you're really not going to notice the difference in flavor and so I would suggest if it's in pasta or if it's in lettuce cups or you know some variety of mixed together where you don't need that flame grilled or that grilled
0: flavor it's going to do well it's going to be fine you're not going to notice well it. i'm telling you we we should have opened a business like that for airlines because what you just said about adding non-meat-based but meat look-alike food mm-hmm. with pasta Cathay pacific just did it now they have a plant-based blend that they add to some of their spaghetti pasta on some (laughs) routes. I think it's only for the moment business class, but still, so they're going that way. It's replaced not ground beef, but pork. See, we should have thought about (laughs) that a year ago, would have been billionaires by now, but you spotted a ranking, an interesting ranking about the best food catering in flights in 2019. As always, caution with all these rankings, but any of the rankings can be suspicious, but they're always simply fun to talk about. So can you tell us which uh, airline comes on top? Yeah, yeah. So maybe if you agree. I I
1: don't know where this specific website pulled it info from but on first glance it looked pretty on point. I think it was somebody who had taken all the Skytrax information and pulled out their own learnings from it because Skytrax doesn't have its own like food rankings. But the upshot at the top level, what this guy has done, what ranked the best for first-class business, premium economy, and economy. And we can go through the top few on each one, but at a top level, yeah. the number one food experience for first-class was Air France, which I know you're a big fan
0: of some of their food. I've never flown first-class with Air France, but I've been told repeatedly that there's a notable difference. And it's by far the best. So I, I'm pretty sure that it must be. But I sadly do not fly SkyTeam anymore. But I'll, <laughs> somebody will offer me. Uh, our CEO of Air France, I'm sorry. I criticized you in the last episode. But can you simply invite me? So Air France, yeah. And then, and then so, so the, the... second and
1: third on the first class options were Singapore Airlines and Etihad, which
0: don't surprise yeah. me at all. Look, Etihad, I flew first class once. It was in one of our shows, I don't remember which one. And I mentioned that the beef, and it was simply beef, but the beef I had there was the best beef I ever had in a plane. As a reminder, the worst beef I ever had in a plane was on KLM in business, but still, I will never eat beef on KLM ever. I I still can, you know, when you have these really bad experiences, your memory can still be triggered. And I just don't want to talk about this. Hold on. Let me open the website because I want to just take a look. The one thing that strikes me there is that Cafe Pacific isn't on that list of first class onboard catering because I just did it like a month and a half ago. That was really good. Uh, Then for business, what is the... So the number one for business actually consistently does well across the board Every
1: class is ANA and then Qatar and then uh, Hainan. Hainan, sorry a I've heard, only ever heard good things.
0: I've taken a few, I think three times in business that I've done, four times probably because of return, the food was excellent. So yeah, Qatar as well. I fly a lot Qatar because one world is a good way to actually accrue points. And they're fabulous. Hainan, I never tried, but I Yeah, I don't know anybody
1: who's it. flown Hainan recently. Yeah. Uh, and then jumping down Premium, to Premium so economy. the top three are, are Austrian, Singapore and then Air New Zealand. And so this is the first entry for for Austrian. Have you flown them?
0: A long time ago and only in economy uh, in Europe, or maybe once in business in Europe. I have a hard time connecting with that airline, let's say. Uh, it's really funny, the interiors are, um, you said earlier that the food in an airplane also is impacted by how it looks mm-hmm. and maybe how the environment is. And the environment in Austria, and at least in short haul, because i have never done long haul, the plane is a mix of red, blue, and attendance in full red. It's very disturbing. So I'm not sure if I would appreciate the food, but I'm sure they're very good if they are number one here. So I'm not dissing them. And for economy, so that's the one I'm interested to see what economy boils. Yeah,
1: and so again, this is uh, the only reason I'm questioning these rankings is, Cathay doesn't Cathay doesn't rank anywhere at any point, which unless they've gone seriously it's, downhill, no. Uh, I have a problem. It's not exactly. So the top three yeah, for, for, yeah. for Economy are EVA, Singapore, and Jal. And so I know EVA has been doing a massive push on the West Coast. They are really stepping up their marketing, oh. and they're the official, if anybody knows this obscure fact, they are the official airlines of the Oakland Athletics baseball team. Oh, and so didn't know that. I've not flown them, but I know that you you guys had some experiences with them recently
0: yeah but i've never flown them economy i've flown them only once in my life only one flight it was in business the food was was good i wouldn't rank it first the experiment was meh (laughs) but yeah i've heard as well actually there are a lot of fans you know it's like delta in the u.s people are fans of eva and there must be a reason Mm -hmm. so i'm sure they're good strikingly in economy very often and i think europe ranking kind of proves it if we were to go down usually asian airlines fare very well exactly uh, if you
1: were to economy you were to force rank all of these across the different classes a u.s airline doesn't even come into any of them and besides austrian doing pretty well periodically turkish is doing pretty well and then british airways 10th for first class and lufthansa sixth for first class you know it is all either Middle Eastern or Asian airlines, which just goes to back up what we're talking about as far as the food. Obviously, these airlines do have Western meals or domestic where they're flying out of. But generally, I think, A, the care that these airlines are taking on their food is better. And B, they just know what What's gonna hold up? I'm sure every single one of these in the economy will have the quintessential random roll sitting on your on your tray <laughs> that you can or cannot eat. But everything everything else, obviously, rice dishes do really well, and anything with with spice does well as well. So I need to do a little bit more diving on this because I I want to check this guy to see where he's getting his information from. But it was surprisingly hard to find. You know, rankings from an official whatever source on airline food for the last, obviously, we only just got into 2020, so maybe they're still compiling them. All I know is that, you know, the US airlines suck.
0: (laughs) But then again, for food, the issue is probably as well to your point earlier about multiple sources depending on the routes, especially when we're talking long haul, which means that it could be viable. It's really hard for food to kind of have like consistency over every every single day of every single year of every single route so I think these kind of uh, rankings you just uh, mentioned are fun they probably have a bit of truth I mean when I see the rankings economy EVA Air Singapore number 2 Japan Airlines 3 Thai Qatar ANA Turkish Qantas I'm like yeah probably this is actually pretty correct yeah whether or not the actual ordering
1: is correct you know again the only thing unless this person you know Cathay murdered their
0: puppy or something like that like you know yeah that's the only one that's the one that also I found very strange not to find Cathay in any of these rankings because I would always say it's top five for almost everything, whether it's the seats, the service. uh, Yeah, it's a bit strange. But other than that, I think they are pretty... Good. So, uh, guys, if anyone listening has better rankings or think that is completely wrong or wants to absolutely defend one of the U.S. airlines for being amazing at their food delivery, I mean, feel free to contact us or contact Will. You can also shout at Will, actually, if you want. Uh, (laughs) There's a website called AirlineMeals.net. This is basically a repository for people to put pictures of their food, of their tray on the whatever route they're doing. It's sadly a bit badly designed because it's kind of hard to find. If you say, I want to see Cathay Pacific economy in 2019, the search box is a bit uh, basic. But if you're really into looking at food and want to see what you might be having in a flight, I think airlinemeals.net is one of the destinations. Otherwise, you have these crazy bloggers talking about their food experiences. Did you have uh, any memorable food experience in a flight? Or not, actually, So uh, in the past year. So
1: actually, it kind of ties nicely into the airport of the day. It was not my best experience. It, it was one of my worst. And I know I don't want to put down a company that you guys have talked about. A lot, but um, (laughs) the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think that I was a catalyst for a change, and I kind of feel good about that. So unlike you guys, I didn't get priority pass free with my cards, my my credit card. I paid for it, and I paid the base level for it to just see if I liked it. If I liked it, I would upgrade to the higher levels, and uh, I was... At Denver Airport, who does not have a lounge, does not have a Priority Pass lounge. Oh, wow. They do have a relationship with a restaurant, with a steak restaurant there. And, you know, you show your card and you get a discount off your meal. So here's what happens. It was February. It was, we were snowed in. We were stuck at the airport for like five hours. And so myself and a coworker went to the restaurant and I was like, okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. We'll go there, kill some time. Show them my card. You know, okay, you're going to get $25 off your meal. Great. What then transpired when I got home was okay, yeah, we've taken the $25 off your meal. But because you had the base level of Priority Pass, they charged me $32. What? Yeah, they charged me $32 to access the lounge, i.e., go to the restaurant. And so I tried no to show them, I tried to talk to the customer service about this, that but if I was a regular passenger or a regular airport customer and didn't show my pass, I would have saved more money than showing me my priority pass that I had to pay yeah. for. And it just I completely forget what customer service is like outside of the US. It's like, sorry, sir, you effed up. This is your fault for not reading the paperwork. And I just stomped my feet, stomped <laughs> my feet, never paid my bill with uh, priority pass. And then I get an alert from them six weeks ago saying they're shutting down oh. the, the Denver relationship with that restaurant. And what I found out, finally, I got through to the VP of marketing, who was very apologetic about this, the uh, VP of customer success, customer service, and was like, you know, yeah, we outsource a lot of these relationships with the restaurants. We have a team that deals with customer procurement on your side. We also have a team that deals with customer procurement for lounges and restaurants, and they just weren't talking to each other. And so, yes, you got charged more wow. for sharing your priority pass. So I had a, a decent airport steak at Denver airport, but then got charged more than as if I was a normal person by sharing my priority Pass card. So that was my worst travel food
0: experience. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's bad. So thank you on behalf of all of us who actually have spotted that, because it's really bad when that happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. I must admit that I don't really recall one as a bad one, to be honest. They were like a lot of meh one, like some stuff that was kind of bland, meaning that I didn't hate it. But I didn't love it and I kind of forgot as soon as I ate it, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm okay, I had food because I needed food because an 11 hour flight and I had something, which, by the way, guys, for those who are a long time listener, Every time I don't mention the food in a review that I do, it kind of means that. It was not great. It was not bad. It was just like you eat something and you forget about it as soon as you finish it, yeah. right? Have you ever flown over um, like the 24th or the 25th of uh, December in your life? Like a, a pure Christmas type of uh, flight? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I, I 100% have flown on the 24th and also flown on New Year's Day as well.
0: Or New Year's Eve. Do you remember any type of uh, maybe happenings or maybe especially with the food stuff that they did extra or special because it was that day? No. Either out of pure courtesy or just because they had a special menu? It always would have been London to Boston. I was doing that flight
1: at that time. And the only thing I remember that was specific to it being that time of year was that the pilot would get on board and be like, "Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we saw a uh, large man uh, flying past the cockpit with a reindeer. And like stuff like that. Like that they did that one time, which I thought was really cute. But as far as far as is concerned, I don't think I remember anything specific. I think it was Virgin I was flying Virgin Atlantic that time because my dad was working for them. I think it was like 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And That was cute.
0: Yeah, I've done quite a few, usually short haul, I've done a few long hauls. This year I was not flying that day. I came back for those who keep track with my travels. I no, actually I was flying on the twenty-fourth. I came back on the twenty-fourth from Sultan, ex Astana with Air Astana. Mm-hmm. They do not celebrate Christmas, which meant there was no special food, but maybe I'll I'll mention it in a minute. But I wanted to mention, because we're still close to Christmas, of course, Christmas is in a year, but it just happened as well. Since you mentioned Virgin Atlantic, I spotted that they were offering in all classes special menu for the Christmas period. I think it was only 10 days. I might be wrong. Like, I think in upper class, which is their business class, they had roast turkey, which is very appropriate, obviously, for the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. They probably still had lasagna, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I think they ended that with the Christmas macarons with, uh, brandy ganache, which sounds really nice. And on premium economy, they had a festive roulade, which is again, a turkey breast, but rolled. Yeah with sage and onion stuffing. That must be also kind of nice. So I've never flown, believe it or not, I mean, our listeners know that I've never flown Virgin Atlantic in my life. It's a miss, I know. I I remember flying Lufthansa last year, also to, it was still called Astana, not the sultan also to Kazakhstan, and they had, and I mentioned it in the past, they had roast goose. Oh, wow. And that was super nice to have actual roast goose with red cabbage and dumplings in a business class. I don't know the situation in economy. And I think they've done it again this year. I think it's something they do every year. Air France, what I know is that for all classes during the 24th and the 25th, they give you champagne for That's free. That's nice. That's really yeah. nice. Yeah, it's very French champagne, you know, and, and the Swiss See some Swiss, Swiss does fondue and alpine milk chocolate. So you can have like some very fun stuff as well. And I was uh, flying, I know that a lot of people want that review and I'm not going to give it, but people will hate me for it. But I was flying Emirates, the new first class from Tokyo to Dubai on the second will can trust me after flying this. I can stop flying forever. <laughs> Nothing can ever top that seat, top that experience. But on the menu, on the food, they had a special menu in all classes, actually. So you would open the menu, and on each of the items that were special for Christmas, they had a little Christmas tree. Very cute. For instance, for appetizers, it was prawn cocktail. Poach king prawns with merry rose sauce and fennel with lemon and herbs. For the main course, that's in first class, guys. Huh? For the main course, it was roast turkey. Again, very appropriate. Slice and serve. With chestnut stuffing, cranberry juliet, potato wedges, and Brussels sprouts with turkey racers and cream. When I mentioned this during the Plain Podcast UK Christmas episode, and I want to hear your point of view, do you really think that potato wedges with roast turkey for Christmas is appropriate? No, it
1: should be roast potatoes or, <laughs> uh, if in the American side, mashed potatoes.
0: I think. Yeah. <laughs> They all reacted to Exactly, that that's I said, weird. Uh, <laughs> and actually, I got that and it was very good. And the dessert for the Christmas was called Santa's Belt. It was not a belt. It was layered chocolates and cranberry cake topped with cranberry clays. And I tried it and it was really good. Since I just did uh, Aristana, what did I try? Uh, I don't remember which one I had, actually. Probably the carrot prawns with Indian biryani rice. I think that's the other one. Anyway, the food on Aristana. It's a five-star airline. It's the first time I fly more than four hours. This is a six-hour, seven-hour flight back to London and two there. And in both legs, the food was absolutely excellent. I highly recommend you guys to fly Aristana. Of course, you probably have to go to Kazakhstan to justify that. <laughs> though they are trying at some point to play to be probably like an Emirates. Also kind of doing like a, you know, connectivity between Asia and uh, Europe mostly. And yeah, it's a great airline. The sad thing is there was char-grilled beef and chicken kebab. And I really wanted to try that. And they had run out of it. And we were three people. So I was like, what? Yeah, uh, probably like a- because we were three, the entire cabin. So probably they had one of each or something. And when they came to me as a second person, well, it was too late because probably the two other guys, maybe they had two and the two other guys had taken kebab. And I was like left with the chicken, the prawns or the cannelloni. So basically the lasagna, the fish or the chicken. Right? See, it's always the there same. <laughs> oh, and yeah, one thing I wanted to mention because it never happened to me. I chose a white wine and the flight attendant came back to me with two glasses and it was like uh does she think i'm british Do <laughs> i don't want to get shit faced like the other person used earlier in the show and no actually she says i believe that the other option is better i brought you both to try so you can tell me which one you want and by the way she was right the other option was better and i kind of yeah really nice <laughs> see i also had flown from new york to singapore first class again with singapore airline That was also very good. And what did I get? Hmm, Uh, I think it was a Southern Thai red curry. It was pretty good. (laughs) And um, Cafe Pacific, since it was not mentioned, I don't understand. <laughs> I took braised chicken leg with mus- okay, mushroom sauce. And that was one of the best food I ever had in a flight. So see, I'm, I'm remembering mostly the good food and not the, the bad yeah. food. And one last, it was Aegean. And I really encourage you, Will, to fly Aegean. I know it's in Europe only and it's to go to Greece, basically. It was my best sea bass ever and probably not only my best sea bass ever in a flight because it's not every day that I eat sea bass in a flight but probably my top 20 sea bass in any restaurant because it was made from a chef that has a Michelin star restaurant actually in Athens called Varulko. and I was lucky enough to go twice actually uh, thanks to a friend called Dimitris and that sea bass I was like how the heck do they do that in a flight? I was thinking about you, actually. I was thinking they just have like a microwave, basically, and they are able to deliver me such a great experience. Wow. So guys, get the sea bass when you're on Aegean.
1: Great recommendation. The, the, yeah, go-
0: I mean, like fish can
1: be so hit and miss on planes, so I'll know what to keep an eye out if I find myself going to Mykonos.
0: Oh, yeah, you should go to Mykonos. Do you know the cheese called graviera, which is a great yeah. cheese? Yeah, yeah, do you have yeah, yeah. that? That's one of my favorite cheese. They have that as well in flat. And it's actually very, very good. So there you go. I'm a cheese guy. I love cheese. I usually do not take dessert in these fancy cabins. I only take the cheese plate. And I even became a bit more British after now eight years living here. Because for me, cheese meant bread. And they always bring you cheese with crackers. And I think I got used to crackers.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about this on the Aleovitz episode. My fast and hard rule in this is that if it's a soft cheese, I want bread. If it's a hard cheese, I want crackers.
0: They do mostly hard cheeses, in Yeah, place. they, they last better. Yeah, they're going because a soft yeah, cheese,
1: right. if it comes out of like some sort of climate-controlled area, you need to let it rest for a little bit to go whatever it's supposed to be, soft or gooey. Because you don't want a
0: hard yeah. soft cheese if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Avi Alex, whom I mentioned at the very beginning, whom I met in Tokyo in that craft beer bar completely randomly, she was flying Lufthansa to Kazakhstan, but to the other cities, the ex-capital Almaty, and she got a message on her phone telling that at Frankfurt there was a strike of all the chefs. So there was no food in the airport and no food in <laughs> the aircrafts. Imaginatively, They had small ad hoc kind of booth when you could take a takeaway bag and bring it into the flight. It was a bit like the Hunger Games. People <laughs> were fighting for these bags. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, Frankfurt is a mess anyway. Actually, a listener of us called uh, Dennis Kozikis at D underscore Kozikis, uh, the C-K-I-S at the end, wrote me and says, I haven't flown through Frankfurt for about two years now. Many times before, I've connected international to the EU and it was okay. Today, I'm connecting between Dublin and Riga and it's an FN. It doesn't say FN, it uses the other word that would have to be bleeped. FN disaster. Paul, you were right all along. Well, I told you guys, Frankfurt is really, really bad. I don't know if there's any conspiracy about Frankfurt. <laughs> yeah. There's conspiracy about Denver. There was uh, this flight from DC, so from probably Dulles to San Francisco. And right where they were on top of Denver, this poor lady got stuck in the bathroom. Even the FAs, they wouldn't being able to open the lavatories. They had to divert to Denver. That must be quite the experience, to actually land by being sat on the lavatory toilet. That must be quite something, actually. Of course, I was united. <laughs> it's a crappy situation. And, uh, <laughs> 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 and the other thing... For me, Denver is, because Denver is in Colorado. Colorado, for me, is a ski destination. You can be in the
1: hills on the slopes within 45 minutes. It's actually funny. I have a colleague of mine who I have a standing Friday meeting with, and nine times out of ten, he's like, hey, throwing the dog in the back of the truck and heading to the mountains. I'm going to skip the meeting. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do you. You go you go skiing up there. And so, yeah, you fly into
0: Denver, and you can be in the mountains in a heartbeat. That was my situation when I was living in Geneva, where I'm from, because 45 minutes away, we're in the ski slopes. I cannot do that from London, man. It's impossible. The reason I... I'm asking you that is because I've never been to Denver Airport. You've been, as you mm-hmm. said. But I remember on Reddit, maybe two years ago, this picture that circulated around of this dude that uh, was waiting at a TSA line to board a flight at Denver and still had his ski boots on. For me, that was like, this is Denver. Yeah, this that's is not like that's you, not uncommon. got off the slope. <laughs> yeah, the things that <laughs> you'll see it. people
1: wearing Patagonia vests with their ski bags and skis got stuff on, you know, their visors on, ready
0: to go. Like, the moment
1: they get off the plane, they're just going to hit the ground and hit the slopes. I think, actually, the roof
0: of the main terminal also kind of recalls both the mountains and the Native American teepees or something. So tell us, what is Dever Do you like this airport? Tell us. Uh, yeah,
1: it. as I alluded to earlier, I find it to be a really good airport to get in and out of. Actually, it's a really good airport to get out of, getting into and through security can be a little bit of an interesting scenario but yeah it's a really decent airport it's about 30 miles northeast of denver proper so it doesn't take too long to get in there's a fantastic you know transportation system to get into the airport itself it's pretty damn new it's only was built in 1995 so fairly oh, wow. new for for And this is where we'll get into the conspiracy theory stuff in a little minute. (laughs) But that's basically why it being so recent and a construction timeline is where some of these rumors come from. But it is the fourth largest hub for United behind Chicago, Houston, and Newark. So it's got some serious volume for United. Wow. Um, And it's the largest hub for Frontier Airlines and is the main operating base for Southwest. So it's got some major players coming through there. Clearly. Which means that it's a strategic place in the heart. Not It's not really in the heart. It's in the middle of the Rockies. But, you know, central enough in the U.S. to be connecting you to yeah. plenty of other places. It, you know, the thing that I found very overwhelming about it when I first started going is that there's one giant terminal that you... Rock up to, and then once you go through security, the entire airport does security in one place, and then you get shuttled out to your individual gate areas. Oh, and so you have this like aircraft hangar of a room that is literally thousands of people going through the same security. And you think when, you, wow. when you're there and the lines are 50,000 people deported, I'm obviously exaggerating, but you're looking <laughs> at it, be like, there's no way I'm ever going to catch my flight. Make but the plane, yeah, like 30 to 40. TSA checkpoints. So basically oh. you move really, really fast. And a lot of the um, canine sniffer dog testing is happening at Denver to try and get people through the, the checkpoints faster. And so you're always seeing dogs there going back and forth and they're actually testing new ways of
0: of checking for contraband or explosives in that airport. Sorry to interrupt you right there, because it's a discussion I've been having I think it was the Plain UK, Plain Talking UK podcast, is You mentioned earlier yourself that Colorado has legalized cannabis or marijuana, but not all states have. And one of the pilots who participates in the show that I just mentioned, and maybe the dogs are also there for that reason, said that even if you were to fly between two states that have legalized this, the plane is under federal law, and thus you're not supposed to have... Marijuana in flight. And maybe the dogs are also sniffing. I don't I think so. Do, but I, I think, think that, that might be the case as well. And
1: it's funny, every single time I get an Uber to the Denver airport, they always do them like just a quiet reminder. But I had one guy who was like, Ladies and gentlemen, we are now reaching Denver International Airport, where you may be going to the sticky icky, the green goodness, The when he talks about marijuana, is not, <laughs> is not legal where you're from. I will be happy for a small fee to dispose of whatever you have in the car, no questions asked. And I'm like, oh, this is a nice little side hustle for the guy. And yeah, you, the, the rule is even though it's legal in California and legal in Denver, you can't transport it across state lines. Otherwise, you're going to spend a very long time in prison.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> so once you pass security, that you said that actually clears pretty quickly yep. the rest of the experience is okay yeah it, it, it's
1: fairly decent you know you take a, the sort of what are they called shuttle trains out to the different not necessarily terminals as much as they are gate areas, like gate area A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever it might be you're going out to. And like, yeah, it's pretty well laid out. The amenities are fine. It's a long, it reminds me of Hong Kong in a certain way, which is these long corridors, very open and airy yeah. compared to, you know, some of the New York-based airports, which just feel so claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, I, 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 it's decent for that. The only downside is that A, it's at such high elevation and B, It's Colorado weather, so you
0: will run into delays because of
1: oh, yeah. planes getting in or planes getting
0: out. That might explain why something I learned the other day, it has the longest runway in the US, which is 16,000 feet. So that's almost five kilometers, guys. 16,000 feet, that's very long. And maybe it is because you need in high altitude. Summertime,
1: the air gets so hot that
0: you don't get enough lift.
1: And so they often have to like delay flights in the middle of the day because they just don't have enough pressure
0: to get up because it's so hot. Wow. Because it's a big airport. I mean, uh, it's... The footprint uh, is twice the size of Manhattan. Holy cow. That's... I mean, you know, the good thing is that when you create a new airport, because you mentioned it was built 20 years ago or something, when you create a new airport, better take a huge footprint so it's like future ready. I think... Currently, there's around 60 to 65 million passengers a year. Mm-hmm. But when it was built, it can handle, if the master plan is followed, it can handle 120 million passengers a year. So we were talking about, yeah, they have a lot of room. They already have, like, six runways, and they can also, like, I don't remember like they could go like to a lot of other runways as well. So at least it's future. Yeah, rail. and it needs that footprint for the Illuminati base underneath. Yeah, so tell us about that. So, you know, when I reached out to Will about a few weeks ago, I obviously had heard a little bit about these stories but never looked into them. And I said to Will, Okay, so you're gonna be my guest co-host. I always give the airport to the co-host. And I said, Which airport do you wanna actually cover? He said, Oh, let's do you guys have never done it, and there's all these conspiracy theories. And I'm like, okay, let me Google that. And it's pretty batshit insane, actually, what they're telling. So run us through some of the the art and design. It's kind of weird, actually. Let me me
1: caveat this by saying this is on the Denver website, the Denver airport website. They wholeheartedly embrace this. So since the airport's opening in 1995... There have been endless rumors and theories. People say our underground tunnels lead to secret meeting facilities for the world's elite. Our blue horse, which I'll get onto in a second, is thought to be cursed. Some believe we are connected to the New World Order and the Freemasons. Some people even believe that we are the home to the colony of lizard people. And this is all <laughs> on their website. <laughs>
0: didn't you know that? Yes. That is and so a couple of things
1: that they mentioned there: the New World Order, there is a, a plaque that talks about the New World Airport, and that the fact that there's a bunch of Freemason signs everywhere, and that the fact that they screwed up the original construction back in 1995, that they didn't tear down, they just buried it. And so they think that the underground buildings are, you know, secret layers for people. And really, they're just like tunnels that never got used. Again, same with the Illuminati. The Illuminati one's a little interesting because there's a time capsule that is surrounded with these weird symbols. And they're not weird symbols. They're actually Native American language and periodic table symbols. So they were trying to be smart, but now one thinks that they're, you know, hiding something. There is another idea that there are <laughs> there's fallout shelters underneath there. I guess the Illuminati and the New World Order, in case of the exactly ap- they, need, they need they need to be able to hide to, somewhere. Exactly, which you know this is insane. Wouldn't necessarily make who knows. And then maybe the tunnels that there are there are massive amounts of tunnels. It's about what they're using them for. And then the one that they mentioned, Blue Mustang, which is this nine thousand pound, thirty two foot tall horse sculpture with glowing red eyes at the airport, it is also a cursed monument, and not only. Not only is that true, it's already killed people. It killed, the, it killed the original artist. Luis Jimenez died in 2006 no when a piece of the sculpture's head broke off and severed an artery in his leg. And so, no way. and there's a bunch of other things that, you know, weird symbols around the airport. In fact, they did a great video marketing campaign about six months ago where they installed these gargoyles around the airport that then became animatronic and would interact with customers and guests. And they would talk about the fact that there are these conspiracy theories and that they're all true. And so they really lean into it. And so I think the combination of the elevation, certain things being legal there, and all these other little clues let people's imagination run wild with them. But it's, it's hilarious. There's always fun things you can see when you're, when you're transferring wow. through the airport.
0: I will say that looking at some of the pictures that I saw linked to these uh, conspiracy theories, it's true that some of the design of the airport can be... Not to the taste of everyone. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff is a bit weird. Does that mean that there's like a secret uh, walled airport new co- whatever commission that has created some hidden bunkers for the Nazis yeah. or something? But it's true that maybe the combination of weird art, because there were some other pieces that were mentioned in some of the articles I read, plus the fact that it's a bit weird, plus this old maybe F up at the start of mix it for a fun story. But I didn't realize you telling me that that the airport embraced it. That's such a great way to do it. Of course, for some people will say yeah, yeah, they do it because Market. they do. it's another way to kind of hide. Oh, yeah, it. it's kind of hiding in plain you know, sight. Like a... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? exactly what the lizard people want us to wow. believe. <laughs> they are monsters, yeah. but they are monsters. Oh, God. Wow, this is so... So I need to go there just for that reason. I want to see all these artifacts and other places you've mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. And this is why, guys, you see, this is why I needed the expert in conspiracy theories. <laughs> and pre-ad roles and food <laughs> will to be with us. The last one I saw about the airport... But you really have to be crazy to think about that. Is that. if you look on Google Maps, uh, uh, so yeah. from the top satellite view, it supposedly looks like a swastika. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Because then, uh, you know, I can make everything look like whatever I want. Like a lizard. I'm sure that London ether looks like a lizard if you look at it from the yes. sky. The lizards are amongst us, man. So, uh... First of all, thank you, Will. But before, like we always do in the closing of our show with Alex. Alex, we missed you. I mean, he's missed this flight and he probably is going to miss a few others. Are you flying anytime yep. soon? Anywhere?
1: I got to go to actually, I got to go to Denver for my Illuminati meeting in two weeks. <laughs> I, actually, I am, going to, I am going to Denver in two weeks, but it's, it's, it's for more, less clandestine
0: and more overt yeah. reasons. I'm just going there for a meeting. <laughs> Hiding in plain sight. I'm not flying before the recording of the next show because the next show will be recorded pretty quickly. This will go whenever I have the time to actually put it out Uh, maybe as a last word maybe if people want to know more about food or conspiracy theories <laughs> or about lizards at Denver. Is there any way they can reach you? Maybe yep. Twitter or anything? Yep. On, else? Which on, one do you On, tw- tell us? on
1: Twitter, uh, I'm at William Hunter, at MasticationNTN. And then on Instagram, I'm at Will Hunter as well. So hit me up on any of those and you'll uh, probably get a response from me.
0: So I want to thank you again because honestly, without the lizard hunter, I would have not have been able to try that format. Guys, give a big shout out to Will when this episode comes out. Remember to, of course, subscribe and review. He deserves a five stars, obviously. Listen to Mastication Nation, even if they're not running. You have all the letters of the alphabet. I haven't listened to the last ones, and I'm not sure which food you went for, for Z and whatever, but <laughs> i will be very interested. People, you can discover yeah. that. Me, I'll be back with another guest host. Surprise, surprise, who is going to be. And uh, please give a shout-out as well to Alex. Alex is with us in spirit, because right now he's probably actually having a lizard meeting, <laughs> and this is why he's not with us. Thank you again. And will and happy travels.